Hello, this is Fanka. Tonight I'll read The Mermaid. Alright, um, the reason why I started doing this, actually I've always wanted to do this, or making vlogs, but I'm not really good in making vlogs, so I thought that maybe I should do podcasts. And fortunately, I have, but I was like, I was kind of doubtful of myself. But two of my friends say that maybe I should try it. So. Since I don't really know what I should do, I think I'll read The Mermaid tonight. Far out at sea, the water is as blue as the bluest cornflower and as clear as the clearest crystal. But it is very deep, too deep for any cable to fathom, and if many staples were piled on the top of one another that would not reach from the bed of the sea to the surface of the water. It is down there that the mermen live. Now don't imagine that there are only bare white sands at the bottom. Oh no! The most wonderful trees and plants grow there with such flexible stalks and leaves that at the slightest motion of the water they move just as if they were alive. All the fish, big and little, glide among the branches just as up here. Birds glide through the air. The palace of the Merman King lies in the very deepest part. Its walls are of coral and the long pointed windows of the clearest amber. But the roof is made of muscle shells which open and shut with the lapping of the water. This has a lovely effect for there are gleaming pearls in every shell in every shell, any one of which would be the pride of a queen's crown. The merman king had been for many years a widower, but his old mother kept house for him. She was a clever woman, but so proud of her noble birth that she wore twelve oysters on her tail, while the other grandees were only allowed six. Otherwise, she was worthy of all praise, especially because she was so fond of the little mermaid princesses. Her grandchildren, there were six beautiful children. But the youngest was the prettiest of all. Her skin was as soft and delicate as a rose leaf, her eyes as blue as the deepest sea, but like all the others, she had no feet, and instead of legs, she had a fish tail. All the lifelong day they used to play in the palace in the great halls, where living flowers 
grew out of the walls. When the great amber windows were thrown open, the fish swam in. Just as those swallows fly into our rooms when we open our windows. But the fish swam right up to the little princesses, ate out their hands and allowed themselves to be patted. Outside the palace was a large garden with fiery red and deep blue trees, the fruit of which shone like gold, while the flowers glowed like fire on their ceaselessly weaving stalks. The ground was of the finest sand, but it was of a blue fursen tint. Everything was bathed in a wondrous blue light down there. You might more readily have supposed yourself to be high up in the air, but only the sky above and below you, then that you were at the bottom of the ocean. And in that calm you could just catch a glimpse of the sun, like a purple flower with a stream of light radiating from its calyx. Each little princess had her own little plot of garden, where she could dig and plant just as she liked. One made her flower bed in the shape of a whale, another thought it's nice to have hers like a little mermaid. But the youngest made hers quite round like the sun, and she would only have flowers of a rosy hue like its beams. She was a curious child, quiet and thoughtful. And while the other sisters decked out their gardens with all kinds of extraordinary objects which they got from wrecks, she would have nothing besides the rosy flowers that the sun up above. Except a statue of a beautiful boy. It was who now of the purest white marble and had gone to the bottom from some wreck. By the statue she planted a rosy red weeping willow, which grew splendidly, and the fresh delicate branches hung round and over it till they almost touched the blue sand where the shadows showed violet and were ever moving like the branches. It looked as if the leaves and the roots were playfully interchanging kisses. Nothing gave her greater pleasure than to hear about the world of human beings up above. She made her old grandmother tell her all that she knew about ships and towns, people and animals, but above all it seemed strangely beautiful to her that up on the earth the flowers were scented, for they were not so at the bottom of the sea. Also that the woods were green and that the fish which were seen to, which were to be seen among the branches could sing so loudly and sweetly that it was a delight to listen to them. You see the grandmother called little birds fish or the mermaids would not have understood her as they had never seen a bird. When you are fifteen, said the grandmother, you will be allowed to rise up from the sea and sit on the rocks in the moonlight 
and look at the big ships sailing by and you will also see woods and towns. One of the sisters would be 15 in the following year. But the others, well, they were each one year younger than the other. So that the youngest had five whole years to wait before she would be allowed to come up from the bottom to see what things were like on earth. But each one promised the others to give a full amount to fill to give a full account of all that she had seen and found most wonderful on the first day. Their grandmother could never tell them enough, for there were so many things about which they wanted information. None of them was so full of longings as the youngest, the fairy one who had the longest time to wait, and who was so quiet and dreamy. Many a night she stood by the open windows and looked up through the dark blue water which the fish were lashing with their tails and fins. She could see the moon and the stars. It is true, their light was pale but they looked much bigger through the water than they do to our eyes. When she saw a dark shadow glide between her and them, she knew that it was either a whale swimming above her or else a ship laden with human beings. I am certain they never dreamt that a lovely little mermaid was standing down below, stretching up her white hands towards the keel. The eldest princess had now reached her fifteenth birthday and was to venture above the water. When she came back, she had hundreds of things to tell them. But the most delightful of all, she said, was to lie in the moonlight on a sandbank in a calm sea and to gaze at the large town close to the shore where the lights twinkled like hundreds of stars, to listen to music and the noise and bustles of carriages and people, to see the many church towers and spires and to hear the bells ring to, and to hear the bells ringing. And just because she could not go on shore, she longed for that for most of all. Ah, how eagerly the youngest sister listened. And when, later in the evening, she stood at the open window and looked up through the dark blue water, she thought about, she thought of the big town with all its noise and bustle. And fancied and fancy that she could even hear the church bells ringing. The year after, the second sister was allowed to mount up through the water and swim but wherever she liked. The sun was just going down when she reached the surface, the most beautiful sight she thought that she hadn't ever seen. The whole sky had looked like gold, she said, and as for the clouds, well, their beauty was beyond description. They floated in red and violet splendor over her head and far faster than they went. A flock of wax winds flew like a long white veil over the water towards the setting sun.
she swam towards it, but it sank, and all the rosy light on clouds and water faded away. The year after that, the sister went up, and being much the most venturesome of them all, swam up a broad river which ran into the sea. She saw beautiful green vine-clad hills, palaces and country seats peeping through splendid woods. She heard the birds singing, and the sun was so hot that she was often obliged to dive to cool her burning face. In a tiny bay, she found a troop of little children running about naked and paddling in the water. She wanted to play with them, but they were frightened and ran away. Then a little black animal came up. It was a dog, but she had never seen one before. It barked so furiously at her that she was frightened and made for the open sea. She could never forget the beautiful woods, the green hills, and the lovely children who could swim in the water as though they had no fishes still. The fourth sister was not so brave. She stayed in the remotest part of the ocean, and according to her account, that was the most beautiful spot. You could see for miles and miles around you, and the sky above was like a great glass dun. She had seen ships, but only far away, so that they looked like seagulls. There were grass dolphins turning somersaults and gigantic and gigantic whales squirting water through their nostrils like hundreds of fountains on every side. Now the fifth sister's turn came. Her birthday fell in the winter, so that she saw sights that the others had not seen on their first trips. The sea looked quite green, and large icebergs were floating about, each one of which looked like a pearl, she said. But it was much bigger than the church towers built by men. They took the most wonderful shapes and sparkled like diamonds. She had seated herself on one of the largest, and all the passing ships sheared in awe in an alarm when they saw her sitting there with her long hair streaming loose in the wind.